Hey everyone, Matt Barker here, wishing you a very warm welcome to our Senior Roundtable, where Erin Madonna, Laurie Bull, and I chat about round tables. Just kidding. In our virtual roundtable, we talk about the topics our Special Education Network and Inclusion Association are interested in. Okay, so welcome back to the roundtable. It's Matt Barker here today. I am here again with. I'm pointing to one of you, but I don't know who to say. <laughs> <laughs> Lori Ball. Lori Ball. Hi, and Aaron Madonna. <laughs> Yay, thank you so much. Uh, that's very good. You can't see pointing on podcasts. Remember that. <laughs> We're here to talk about well being and balance. And we want to say a caveat at the start that we have not been drinking. We are all just very, very tired at the end of a long semester, <laughs> at the end of a long year. And we're also in three different continents. So we're actually spanning the globe at the moment. So Laurie, where are you from right uh, now? Sun River, Oregon. I'm in Cambridge in the UK. And Erin? I'm in Bangkok, Thailand. So this really is a truly international affair today. I think we did great to even make this happen. <laughs> very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> So we're going to talk about well-being and balance. And first of all, what do we think balance and well-being looks like for our students? If we see a student who is balanced, who we think looks together, looks well, what is happening for them? What's going on for them? I might ask a question of, is there such a thing as a balanced student? Hmm. That sounds yeah, very, know. I was going to say yeah. that sounds very T-O-K. <laughs> For any, any IB diploma teachers out there, we've just had the TOK moment. So what is balance anyway? I think, yeah. okay. So I think until students can really tell us what's going on inside, it's hard to tell. But I think, right, body language, that's kind of my first go-to, right? If fight or flight isn't activated, if they're relaxed, if they, you know, their responses are open, smiling easily, indicators of balance, maybe? I'll throw yeah. it on the and, table. <laughs> and I think those indicators of balance that you talk about are in the context of what you know about that student. So I yeah. think as you know your students, you will know when they're in a good place because when they're not, you're like, hey, what's going on for you today? You know, or tell me how you're feeling. Give me a number between one and five, you know. And sometimes you can start to become the barometer for how they're feeling and how they're doing and how they're looking. Yeah, I think yeah, and you start to recognize. Oh, go, Lori. Oh, I just think it's important to ask as well that one through five or whatever. Um, you know, I know a, a lot of students who have pretty high anxiety, so they tend to mask that with those positive responses and open body language and things like that. So everyone thinks they're doing well when in essence, they're really struggling. So asking, as you suggested, Matt, I... I think that's really essential. Yeah. And, and it also, I think it gets to the point of micro expressions sometimes, right? When you get to know a child, because students with that high level of anxiety, it is little tells like, are they picking their fingernail, like a hangnail on the side of their hand, right? Where the rest of them might look. So that's a good point. Hmm. Are those little distractions? And I, and I guess sometimes it comes down to how we have set up our classrooms and some of the rituals and routines we go through, you know, like, for example, do you use zones of regulation to talk about where your body is in time? Or do you use things like the, uh, was it Mark Brackett with the permission to feel when you have the, mm -hmm. you know, 96 mm -hmm. different words to describe how you're feeling. And of course, 
it's very useful to have those little drop-in moments. But then when you get the words which are not quite like anxious or worried or confused, it's like not saying, oh, okay, like knowing that there's something more you need to do when you get that feedback from the student. So it's about both being able to recognizing it and I guess also being able to do something about it once you recognize it at a time where it's appropriate to do so. Yeah, and in the way that's right for the child, right? For a child who withdraws public action, you know, things that happen in that public sphere of in the classroom maybe aren't best for them. So it does, it is, it's all about relationships. It it, it really does come back down to relationships. And I think that's so important. Like are we talking about balance and well-being? We think about the relationship that we have with the students. And we can also think about the relationship students have with themselves. And at the same time, the relationship that we have with ourselves and how we look after ourselves. Hence why we look at well-being. It does start with ourselves. I really believe that. I think we've talked think about co-regulation before, but that's, I mean, that's at essence what it is, right? That co-regulation when we're when we're keeping track of sort of where we are in the space so that we can be there for the child for what they needed in that space is it Stuart Shen? About... Oh, go ahead go ahead no 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 i was retired <laughs> <laughs> i am not balanced sorry team <laughs> I think also we're so used to using Zoom and looking at each other and being able to read each other on Zoom that like for me to point at someone or not say anything, you know, you're not going to get those cues on the podcast, right? <laughs> but of course, I dressed up for our first podcast as well, not realizing that we're not filming it. We're just <laughs> looking at each other. I really could have done it in my pajamas. Anyway, I'm distracted because I am tired. Uh, so we're talking about what balance looks like in our students. And I think, you know, there's some things for students when we notice, I guess, my, what am I asking? Students who have differences, the students we generally work with, those who are quirky in whatever way, um, what is it for them? And what struggles might they have to find balance? And the first student which comes to mind, particularly at the moment, because we're back to virtual learning in our situation, is working with those students who have ADHD. And for me, those students are often the ones who really, who I, who noticeably seem to struggle to find balance because either they're finding it very hard to focus on something or, and we can come on to social media in a little while, they might be on social media or they might be uh, playing a game on their computer or something, whether they're so hyper-focused and so hyper-aware that they're playing it till perhaps one or two o'clock in the morning and then completely miss out on the balance because they're disrupting their sleep patterns. Right. So what are we sort of noticing for those students? Any, what other triggers might there be? Yeah, oh my gosh, the first thing that I, the, the first word that popped into my mind when you said sleep and interrupted sleep patterns is irritability, right? Is like, yeah. the reaction time yeah that because whole emotional yeah <laughs> the whole <laughs> emotional regulation piece um i used to see it a lot with our middle school students when they'd be up all night gaming or whatever their exhaustion levels were so apparent to me um because they would get very upset over a very small problem very quickly 
Yeah. And parental stress ties into that too, right? Like sometimes the indicator for the child isn't necessarily the child themselves, but it might be how the parent is reacting and how the parent is managing because if they're, if they're trying to help their child balance at home, but you know, don't have the skills or have the skills and are just experiencing frustration with that, you know, and helping their child navigate that, 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 that can be a good way to tap into is the relationship you have with the parents and, and that talk with them and finding out what space they're in. That's a great point. I'm thinking of a student I had um, who was exactly as as Matt described, and we worked a lot with the family on getting him some exercise into his life. And mm-hmm. he pushed back. His mom really wanted it. I really wanted it. He did not want it. Yeah. Um, so he and I worked a lot together just to to just. Um, study different forms of exercise and see what he might be interested in. Um, And it turned out it was swimming. And so Mm. he built that into his day every day after school, um, did some laps at the pool. And it it did really help support that, that balance in his life um, where he wasn't going straight home, doing homework for hours on end and then jumping into the gaming. So it was the exercise the good snack and then homework. Yeah. It's hard, right? Because I think as a child and as an adolescent and a young adult, you don't always necessarily know what's going on for you. And I'm back here and I'm, I'm with my godchildren and some of my closest friends. And we have things which call like a sugar dip, you know, and the kids are like, you know, they're hungry, but they don't realize they're hungry. And then so they might be fractious or irritable or go from naught to 60 in about 0.6 seconds, you know. And they don't understand that regulatory piece. And, e- and it's really hard, like, even though you try to teach kids that regulatory piece, right, it still can be a long process for them to actually let the penny drop. So, you know, like, Laura, you give the excellent example of the student finally finding swimming. And I think about that for students in general, like, it's almost like a rite of passage to not get enough sleep at school and say, I'm so busy, I can't, I'm doing the diploma, I've pulled all night. I'm like, so you've got to impair all your ability. All the research tells us that if you, you know, you you hold your sleep and you don't get your sleep requirement, you are going to underperform you can't you can't outwit your own brain and it's so hard to get you know young adults or or kids in general right to to take that on yeah and I'm not I'm not remembering where this came from but there was a study that I remember reading going through school um centering on ADHD and and like the outcome of the study was that an additional 20 minutes of sleep made a vast difference for children, right? So even a small segment of increasing the amount of sleep by 20 minutes, this, you know, had an impact. And that's, I mean, that's fascinating if you think about that. Well, and you think about all the restorative work that the brain does while we sleep, right? Like that's why it's so important. I think too, like in this, as you know, as you're talking about, like, especially as students get older, but even with young students and with how digital we are and technology has sort of come up a little bit in our conversation so far, but that, that addiction to it and the amount that students are on tech now, I have so many conversations with parents where, you know, I have to give them permission to take 
the device away, right? And to say like, you can, you know, if the child is still on at 1030 and they're an eight-year-old child, that's not healthy, right? The healthy boundary is you say, okay, an hour before bedtime, we put it up, we put it away. That's the rule in the house. And that there is permission to do that because we're asking them to have their child on tech all day long. So, so it's, that's a hard balance for parents to know, is that a boundary I can set? Yes, please do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did, we did it with our own children. Um, it, and the way we phrased it was, we will charge your devices overnight in our bedroom. And, <laughs> and so at, I don't know, I think it was, you know, it, well, it depended on their age, but let's say 9 PM, we would say, okay, it's time to charge and bring the devices into our room. And of course our daughter knew what we were doing, but it kind of gave her that boundary as well. So she yeah. was able to say, sorry, guys, I can't be texting at this time of night. My parents have my device and they could, she could completely blame it on us. And we were fine yep. with that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> absolutely. And, and like, you're also it's, giving her a way out, which exactly. is great, right? You, mm -hmm. you take it out of her, her locus of control, if you like. Yeah, yeah, preserve the social capital with peers and help mm. her set those boundaries until she's able to, you know? Oh, yeah. You've been talking about this and I just wanted to show off because I had a big word that I wanted to use. And I want to say that technology is ubiquitous now. Ooh. Yeah. I yeah. know. Wait, Matt, <laughs> I was impressed when you brought out fractious. Now you're throwing ubiquitous. <laughs> I saved that one. <laughs> Your vocabulary tired is astounding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you're right but, yeah, ubiquitous yeah. is exactly right right it's ubiquitous and and yeah. it's it's like technology is ubiquitous and social media is ubiquitous and i also think another great word social media can be quite pernicious and that's a real real challenge as well it can be it can really bring you know young adults teenagers all students who have social media have the you know the opportunity to be ground down by it and I think having, I don't know how you do this, but also just being aware of how impactful social media is on students' lives and trying to support them to have a healthy relationship with social media also will help with that balance aspect. Yeah, we, it's interesting. My daughter is, she's 10 now, but she would think she was going on, you know, 14 um, with, you know, the things that she's, you know, peer wise exposed to and the conversations we're having to have. And she does not have access to social media at this point, but a lot of her friends do. So she's seen a lot of, you know, TikTok things, you know, along those lines. And I, we've been having a lot of conversations recently because I realized for my own balance and my own sense of self and kind of my own self-talk you know, I, that the, the images that were shown in social media and, you know, and, and you can get into all the mirror neuron stuff and, you know, is it, you know, causation correlate, you know, are we, you know, is mm. social media really the great evil that we, you know, there, we could have that debate. Let's not, but no. <laughs> I made the intentional choice with my own social media to, to seek out and find accounts where body shapes and body sizes were represented that, you know, were not your classic media images, because I realized that that was impacting my emotional well-being, the way that I think about my own self, you know, just in, you know, so I've been trying to talk with her and saying, oh, look, I'm joining this. And this is why is because I want to see more images of people that are real 
people, right? Or I want to see greater diversity. And, and I, and so I think that modeling aspect with kiddos before they have access, before it's just free for all, mm-hmm. having those intentional conversations, I hope talk to me in three years, you know, five years when she does have access, we'll see if it helps, but I, I, there's a part of me that feels like it has to, right? If you make it overt and you make it obvious, I'm choosing this for my own balance because that's mm-hmm. got to help, right? I think it's so. Funny, yeah. I mean, there I am. I mean, I use the word pernicious and I think it can be pernicious, but I think it can also be very positive and a great thing if it's harnessed and used in the right way. I manage social media pretty much by not having social media. That to me... Mm, yeah. It's something that I do for my well-being and my balance. I actually, I don't have Facebook. I haven't had it in over a decade. I use Twitter as a professional development tool, but I will come off Twitter if I feel I'm using it too much on my phone. I'll just remove the app. Uh, And that's it. That's the extent of my social media. And, And I'm like, I'm good with that. Well, I had to, I, uh, for my own well-being, I had to make sure that I unfollowed anyone that posted political um, postings Mm. and I stopped watching the news, which, which is hard for me. I like to be up on everything, but it was, it was definitely bringing me down to a point where I didn't know if I was going to be able to get back up again. And so stopped watching the news and following any political postings really helped myself, my brain. Yeah. Well, you know what, in thinking about the classroom, sorry, Matt, I just jumped on you again. Here we go. (laughs) But thinking about the classroom, you hear those things filtering down to the kids, right? The students come in and they talk about like the stress around, like when I was in the States and, you know, active shooter drills and, and you had, you know, parents talking about, you know, all of the stuff that they were seeing in the news, that stress that we carry being exposed to that filters down to the children. For sure. For sure. I, I was just going to build on the point that Laurie was saying about the news. I'm addicted to the news app. I must look at it 12 times a day. You know, I don't have mm. the social media account. So then I'm just looking at the news all the time. And I, it's a good indicator for me just to take it off the phone again. But I feel like at the moment in the, in the, in the space that we're living in and, you know, being fortunate enough to being able to travel home for the summer, but, you know, it's all very complicated. So I feel like I have to keep on top of everything that's going on because I need to know where I am in my world. But that doesn't bring me like a sense of calm or a sense of balance. It just makes me go, oh, you know, yeah. just let, let, let that go, let that go. Yeah, take it yeah. in bits. Yeah, and, and, and Aaron, that's such an important point that, you know, it, it wears off on the, you know, the students and they'll be aware. And, you know, one of the big conversation topic points at the moment is have you been vaccinated? Have you not been vaccinated? You know, and yeah. it's very different, you know, international schools with people traveling, you know, and returning home. Uh, some students are able to be vaccinated in, in, in the countries they're living in. Others are not. Some teachers are. Others are not. Some can go home and get vaccinated. Others can go home but not get vaccinated and others cannot go home so everybody's caught up in this yeah you know <laughs> and that but I think that's the thing as well right at yeah. the moment you know we talk about stress and well-being we have to be hyper aware of it because we're living in a pandemic we're year yeah. two into it I mean this podcast was born out of a webinar which was born out of the pandemic you know right. yeah and and 
16 months on and we're having the same conversations but the conversations are more around are like have you had the vaccine have you not had the vaccine is you know mm -hmm. has the you know what what's the infection levels like you know it's well yeah. and and kids don't necessarily understand you know the younger yeah. the child or um in i i mean i have my own story from when i was a child and this really shows my age because probably most people won't even remember this but there was a man called jim jones in um guyana and he served a cult of people this punch and this it was oh. called you know and it killed all these people yeah. but you know they did it for their their beliefs or whatever but i didn't understand that as a child and I was convinced that Jim Jones was going to come to my town in Northern mm. California and give us all punch. So I was petrified of punch. <laughs> Didn't drink punch yeah. free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Kool-Aid or whatever. So, I mean, you know, it's just that processing with kids. If they're watching the news or, or hearing things and are, do they fully understand what they're hearing and right. how does that help their mental health. I don't know. You guys just got to be careful. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, Laura, you just made me crack up. Here's a laugh for us to get us through. <laughs> we have, you seen that meme that said when I was a kid, I thought, um, that the, oh my gosh, quicksand, that's what it's called. The quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem in my life than it actually turned out to be. <laughs> and I must have laughed for like a week about that because I remember being a child and having watched like, I don't know, you know, like the never ending story or something and having that, carrying that stress about quicksand that I was going to be a grown up and was going to get sucked into quicksand, right? <laughs> Kid, that that ability to think you know concrete abstract and that you know reality and you know it it is that is something for us as adults to be so sensitive to Great yeah you, you're told it's, it's like the old wives tale like you know you cross your eyes and people say don't do that the wind will change and they'll stay that way yeah. <laughs> 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 right? yes. I still you know, worry about stepping on a crack I really oh, don't yeah. want to break my dad's back <laughs> walking oh, it was my mother's ladders. <laughs> yeah oh walking under ladders opening an umbrella inside mm -hmm. oh yes yeah. Yep. yeah all of that yep um okay can I veer us sideways for a second yes. just because Go I've been ahead. wanting to mention this this whole time um and ask if you guys remember this at Senia it was Senia a couple years ago I want to say in Yokohama but I'm not positive um internet addiction is in the DSM-5 now isn't it isn't it in the DSM-5 is it an actual I feel like it is. I feel like I went to a talk right as it was, it was being considered for DSM-5. I know we're all going to Google now, um, but I, it was a fascinating, it was a fascinating presentation at Senia by a woman who was researching internet addiction, whether it is or is not in the DSM-5. Um, the addictive behaviors that come with, with internet access, um, it's a real thing, right? It's not really a question. It's just that I wanted to add that in when we were talking about technology earlier, that like, this is something that like that, you know, especially I think as we see kids go into those middle years where, you know, addictive behaviors can develop as, as kids start to go through puberty and start to change that we actually do really have to be aware of that. Fact check. Medically. It is, I know. It is in the DSM-5. I just. Yeah. <laughs> right. Isn't, isn't that, that the, isn't that amazing? It's amazing that sort of stuff comes in and then all the stuff, not we're going to really veer, but we won't veer too much, but the stuff they started taking out. Yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> so, so we're having to use these new definitions to say also known as dyslexia. I know. Also known as Asperger's. <laughs> let's you know, was, oh, let's have a, another whole conversation on that. <laughs> <laughs> Lose my mind. <laughs> now here's here's the thing about the Yokohama conference. Uh, this is this is typical, right? I started working in at Yokohama International School on January the 2016, my first day in the office, being my head of department. And they're like, oh, I've just had this email from Senia asking if we want to host the conference next oh, that's year. And I was like, oh. I was like, again? <laughs> you know, Senia keeps following me wherever I go, like, Senia's there. And, but but you'll also know that Laurie, you'll We're know this. We're stalking you. When 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 you when you host a senior conference, the 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 divinely wonderful and yet conversely most irritating thing is that you don't get to enjoy the conference yeah. because you're too you're busy. Working, you, yeah. You're just working the whole time, so you don't even really get to see any of the talks or any of the you know the workshops. I think I ran a workshop, saw one workshop by a former colleague and that was it the rest of the time we had our you know we're selling kokeshi dolls or we're you know we're, we're setting up for the party you know it the, it, it was a fantastic to do it but it does you know it's amazing what that sort of takes out of you but um the food was great at the Yokohama one by the way you guys <laughs> knocked it out of the park <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, when you saw that that they grow a lot of the food, they source it locally. Yeah. They have this really strong. I love that. This is all about well being and balance, right? I know. I was going to say we are really un- <laughs> you're into nutrition here. Nutrition is vital for that. So thank there you. you oh, they, 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 they there you go. He brought it. He brought it back. <laughs> but it was wonderful because they tried to locally source. They curate the food. Yeah. They try and use herbs that they grow in the garden. All those sorts of things, right? So yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed the food. Then I used to love the yeah. food there. So my question is to try and circumnavigate us back <laughs> as we flip flop all over the place with well-being and balance. How do we promote well-being and happiness and help our students live happy and balanced lives? What and I guess if we talk about that, maybe we're also talking about what kinds of resources are we using to do that? Mm. So I have question. some. <laughs> okay. I was I looked at Lori like, you want to go first? <laughs> we both so go I, Matt. So I I love that schools in recent years are really taking on the mantle of mindfulness and opening up the conversations and talking about it. It's actually in the approaches to learning in the IB guides, you know, like mindfulness actually comes up there and this idea and awareness and the presence of yourself and things that you can do to ground yourself in reality I know there's certain certain schools have daily mindfulness practices which are played over the school tonight and the whole school has a daily practice I mean I use mindfulness a lot in my class I talk about I talk about regulation and how students are feeling and why we do it sometimes I think students like to do it just they don't have to work for 10 minutes and they can close their eyes and I'm like great because you need that time I want you yeah. to have that balance I want you to have that time away from the computer and just sit and be and do nothing for 10 minutes right kids don't get that opportunity so much as when we used to you remember when like you're on a four-hour car journey and there were no iPads we probably didn't have the radio no air conditioning you just opened up the window and looked outside right you're learning how to be present and Manage we didn't call it mindfulness. Balance. We called it boredom. No, we called it boredom, right? But I think <laughs> yeah. boredom was actually what you think yeah. about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just read an article about that. How um, it said, "Let your kids be bored this summer." Yes. Yeah. 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 It's so important. Yep. Absolutely. And I try not to be that judgy person on holiday. I really try hard because I don't know the backstory. But when I come down for breakfast and there's kids just watching a device really loudly at breakfast whilst the parents are, you know, cramming food in their mouth, I'm like, I don't know your story. And maybe this is a real achievement. I'm not sure it is all the time, though. Right. I'm like, could you not just talk to each other? Because this is your time <laughs> when you come together, right? Yeah, we have a, we have in our family, we have a structured game we play just to get conversation going when we notice that we're all zoning. So we it's just like we ask each other questions. We say like, OK, if you were a superhero, what would you want to be? But it is it's sort of those old fashioned things that we used to do. Right. They can kind of bring you together. But anyway, going back to your point um, about, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> my point was, how do we support oh well-being and balance? Oh, and then I started talking about kids watching videos at the breakfast buffet. Yeah. Mindfulness, mindfulness. Go back there. to the mindfulness practice. The other place that I really like, so mindfulness as a way to, to help students learn how to balance, right? But then I actually love mindfulness in that restorative process rather than discipline procedures, right? Like I think, I think that's the power of mindfulness is that really we can we can teach students to regulate and to get in touch with themselves in those moments of crisis as well which is really what serves them down the line when they're under you know mm. massive stress at work or anxiety kicks in because they've lost a family member or they you know like the, you know when when we meet them in those points of crisis when they've had you know a disciplinary issue occur at school and we meet it with mindfulness that's, I, I don't know, that's transformative for me in terms of thinking about balance in someone's life. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking about those ideas, like when you practice mindfulness and, and you're trying to get them to generalize and conceptualize, right? It's almost like you're trying to provide this conceptual based learning with all the things that you're trying to provide them so that they can be generalized in all different areas. And as they move and as kids move forward, I think mindfulness can be really good for that if, if we are able to help students find out and harness and, and get how it can help. And other things like, you know, particularly with the older students, you know, there's some great YouTube videos out there from very respected, like, uh, professors, like I think Matthew Walker, who, who wrote Why We Sleep, and he provides some very compelling research in very short sound bites of 10 minutes or so, saying what will happen when you sleep and what will happen when you don't. And also when I have kids who are really tired, I just talk to them and I tell them what I notice about them and how, you know, by not sleeping, this is what I can see, you know, and, and sort of trying to be gently relentless in my honesty when having those conversations with the students sympathetic towards it but at the same time talking about the realism around it yeah absolutely and I think I think preventatively you know when I think about balance and I think about this emotional all the emotional components any social emotional learning that we do within the classroom so I think about like the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence their ruler program I think about you know even something like responsive classroom if handled really well where you know where the social emotional learning is built into that and you're having preventative conversations with kids about oh here's a scenario like how could I how could I manage my way 
way through that or how could, you know, the executive functioning aspects that come into balance. You know, I think, I think making sure that we're building that into our day with our students, um, it doesn't really matter the program as long as you're addressing it and addressing it consistently and well, right? That that mm. practice is there because without practice in a moment of, of imbalance, they're not right. going to be able to apply it. You know, let me just throw in a plug here for the uh, Senior Virtual Conference coming up because um, we are having that SEL strand and we've got some great speakers. So, you know, Michelle Garcia winner from Social Thinking. I saw that. (laughs) I was like, you can't, (laughs) yes, some of the people like Michelle Garcia, it's like the people you can't get to see, right? Because they're booked up six years in advance. This might be one of those few things where the pandemic has helped, right? Exactly. Exactly. Which sounds an awful thing to say, but. No, yeah. Yeah, we've been able to secure some pretty amazing people. And uh, another is Mm. Leah Cooper's Cupers, mm. K-U-Y-P-E-R-S. And she um, created zones of regulation. Zones of regulation. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So she's just going to do like her basic um, intro to zones for um, all of us that either need a refresher or an intro. So super happy about that. And then awesome. we also have Dr. Larea Martinez, who wrote a book called Teaching with the Heart in Mind. And heart is an oh. acronym. Um, so Really great stuff. Just super Someone exciting. ordered a copy of that book. It's been sitting in the mail room for a couple of weeks. It's lost. They didn't get, now I want to go steal it and read it <laughs> <laughs> and then return it because I don't steal. <laughs> oh, I saw that in the, oh my goodness. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. There's, there's some, it's, it's, it reminds me of the sensory integration talk we had, you know, yes. the other week. And it reminds me of when we were able to get Madeline Portwood to come to Yokohama for the conference there. And she talked about developmental dyspraxia. And it was fascinating to understand that mind-body connection in its most physical sense right. of it. Yeah, uh, right. uh, I think yeah. you've got some, you buy tickets, everybody. Buy them now. (laughs) Go onto the website, look at the deals. There's group offers, there's schools, there's going to be, I don't know. Well, and honestly, you know, I could, I could say this till I'm blue in the face, but don't you think it's important that not just learning support teachers attend? Yes. I mean, yes. When you're That's, talking yeah. social thinking and social emotional learner learning and and zones of regulation, I mean, th- this is good for everybody. It's- all yep. students it's all students and yeah. that's that's one of the great things, right? When you have a conference at a school, a lot of the time the school comes to the conference. Yes. And yeah, exactly. that is incredibly powerful for the school. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So For sure guess we really veered off topic, but kind of on topic. No, no, but... <laughs> because we kind of want to be talking about that because these are, where do you go for further information? You go to the there virtual conference. Yeah. Right. It provides an avenue for learning more about balance. <laughs> so <laughs> you're talking about resources and some of the resources that I like to think about, I think there's some really good podcasts out there that I listen to. And I think mm. there's one called Happy Place and that's by Fern Cotton who has been an amazing presenter in the UK for many years. And she's moved from kids TV to adult presenting. And she's gone, you know what? 
I'm, I suffer from anxiety. I get stressed about these things. I'm a working mom. And she's really sort of changed direction. And hers is about how to live a happy life. It's called Happy Place. And she gets some amazing, amazing people on there. But it's really great just to listen to them talk about how they navigate life, right? Another one who's really good. Um, she's been amazing. Her name is Elizabeth Day. She's a journalist. And her podcast is called How to Fail. And she interviews so many different people and they talk about their three biggest failures because she believes and they believe that failures actually learning how to fail teaches you how to succeed. So I sort of dip into podcasts as sort of like current yeah. affairs in that way, but very much with a lens on healthy living and, and positivity. Uh, the Feel Better Live More podcast by Dr. Rongon Chatterjee. He is phenomenal. There's some great stuff coming out from him. He's published a few books. I know that they're published in both the UK and America. He has exhaustive podcasts. He has a great website, but he explores about the mind-body connection, little things we can do to make improvements in our lives. So I always feel like I get a lot of resources for myself, which help with the students. Another one I like to use a lot is a charity based in the UK. So clearly I'm British, so some of the stuff is, is, <laughs> is, is leaning towards that way. But it's Action for Happiness. And it's the 10 actions that we can take to lead healthier and happier lives, you know. And the first one is, if you want to feel good, do good, you know. And it's about staying connected and the importance of relationships. There's so many things there, which I think you know, as we try to navigate and find balance in our lives, it becomes, you know, I remember as a teacher in my 20s, they used to be like, oh, what's PSHE? Why are you doing that? I don't want to be a teacher. And now I'm like, that's the first thing we need, right? That That's that's the number one thing I want us to be teaching. Everything else is really mm -hmm. important, but let's make sure that's part of all our curriculum always. Let's keep that, that, that pastoral, holistic, balanced element strong. So there's so quite everyone... a lot of stuff I look at them. What everyone what? couldn't see, Matt, is while you were sharing that, Lori and I were frantically writing down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm oh, so excited. I love podcasts. And I, I will also put these on the show notes so everyone yeah. will have access to them. I also use, yeah. um, my husband and I both uh, use Headspace um, mm, the, yes. uh, quite a bit for our own self-meditation. And um, now it's funny. They have a, a Netflix series <laughs> they do they've got two i've seen that they've got two yeah. series they've now yeah. put one in for sleep as well as meditation yeah yeah, yeah just yeah. put it out i've been for, i i started with andy pudicum in 2013 as i used to catch the ferry from central to discovery bay in hong kong oh, wow and, yeah. and, and and it's funny and you and you evolve when you go through those podcasts because mm -hmm. that's great calm is also another yeah, wonderful calm, meditation. Calm, and I think it's and free I've for got teachers. It free for teachers. So yeah. I had it and I use it with students. I've been using it for two years now. I got it when I first started in Bangkok. And it's it's a fantastic resource that you have. And what you'll find with all these uh these apps now, these mindfulness apps, is that they're bringing in more and more content. It's more curated content. It's much more developed. It's much more evolved. There's an awful lot in those apps, like even mm. to help you have a mindful run or a mindful walk in the park. Those types yeah. of things are, sorry, those types of things are amazing. There's some very good journaling apps out there or journaling books. The five minute journal is one thing that I 
think is really good. I introduced it to the, the grade 10s at our school this year, la last few weeks. And that's when you journal, um, uh, what are you happy at? Three things you're happy about today. Right. What three things are you going to do to, what's gonna be a successful in your day today? What is your mantra? And then you review the end of the day and say, what great things happen. So it's all sort of trying to start, kick yourself off on a good foot and sort of try and maintain that good foot during the day. So it's because, you know, as human beings, we're often hardwired to look for the negative, right? That's immediately yeah. we would go to. So it's trying to readjust that and look at the positives. Yep. Love that. That's huge. I don't even want to follow that. I was going to say, I would, I'm bringing punk rock and self-healing with ice cream. That's what I got. I love that. <laughs> no, but I, in all seriousness, good. I used to talk a lot with my student teachers about self-healing, especially because we worked primarily a lot with emotional behavioral disorders. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and so having a ritual like creating rituals in our lives of even if it is just, you know, I have one special hoodie that I put on when I get home and yeah, I listen to one particular song or I do that, you know, but creating rituals in our life that, that can help you kind of recalibrate after you've been knocked off. But I have, I have a list for the summer to help me get more balanced. Thank oh. you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, Thank well, you. I thought you had a list. That <laughs> oh you no, I've done with nothing. <laughs> I came to this as a learner. I was ready to receive what go. Matt is willing I, to give. <laughs> honestly, I, I remember Elizabeth Gilbert. I've been listening to her podcast a lot because she describes herself as a chronic oversharer. And I think oh. she's, she lives her life fearlessly. But also, I think she's one of those people by doing that sort of helps give us permission. And she says, you know, mm -hmm. and they said, what else do you do in, in your, you know, what else do you have going on in your life? She said, well, looking after my mental health is probably, a, you know, a full-time job for me you know yeah. outside of my work and my writing so I've mainly sort of like looking after myself and making sure that I'm in a good space I thought that was a really good way of it's sort of so describing smart. it that idea of like yeah. well I'm, I'm looking after myself this is what I do and what I need to do to yeah. look after yeah. myself so so yeah. hearing that of her you know those sorts of things you know I fall asleep to podcasts now I found it's so much easier to sleep to something right yeah, I put on a yeah. podcast and I'm like not an audio book because that's too stressful to figure out how far I got before I lost my yeah. I fell asleep <laughs> but podcasts I quite I listen to a few times anyway so they're quite good to have it you know low in the background so it stops the chatter in my mind mm -hmm. but I can also drift out through them as well so I find podcasts yeah. are so useful for that I do too. Uh, and I just thought I'd, I'd throw in not as an educator and um, more as a parent of a child with severe needs. Um, quite often, I, you know, I'm on tons of little support groups and things. Um, and it's really difficult for parents of <clears throat> children with special needs to find times to build yeah. in balance and focus on their own mental health. Um, and it's really important. So I think what I'm, my suggestion for anyone out there listening is if you know a family, uh, ask them how you can help. And quite often they won't know. So you can kind of look for things um, like, Erin, uh, you know this family, um, yeah. but I had a family in um, Thailand that would sometimes cook meals for us 
because she mm. knew how much we were struggling. Um, yeah. You know, at the time, my son was throwing all our meals that were in the refrigerator out in, in, into the trash, yeah. and we couldn't keep anything in our refrigerator. So she saw that, and she helped us with that. Um, and so it's just to kind of keep an eye out for, for families to help because they're not going to be able to support their own mental health. So if you can reach out to them and help them, I know from experience that that's a great, great thing to offer. How cool would it be if schools had a system of like community help list, right? Where somebody could just anonymously put on, I need dinner on Tuesday or I need this and members of the community could sign up. Like how cool if we could systematize that help because you're absolutely right. It's funny you're saying that, but during the pandemic, I was reading in a magazine that there were some like apps or set up like in your local, in your local community was like they literally could get food or go to the shops. Like if you cook oh. too much food, someone else, you know, you could sign up and say, I've got too much and you could deliver it to a neighbor who was looking for food. And they had this sort of like this lovely sort of like community support. So yeah. it's, it's nice if that could be a little more developed or engineered. There you go, Aaron. Yeah. You've got your I own. Know. Okay, we've got, got a, a new mission. project to start at ISB next year. Here we year. go. Wait, I'm wait, wait, wait. I'm if we're talking least... about Aaron's balance, I'm one thing at a time is my <laughs> mantra for the next year. Okay. <laughs> but I am adding that to the list. <laughs> but the first action for happiness is to, if you want to feel good, do good. Yeah. But yeah. you have to do you have to do the yeah. right good, I guess. Yeah. 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 It's what? hard. It's hard to find that balance. I found myself saying no the other day to something, and it felt so oh. good, you guys. I yeah. couldn't believe it. Afterwards, my anxiety just dropped to uh, zero when it, it had been a 10. It was so high because of this one thing that someone was asking me to do. And, and finally, I was just like, no, I, I can't do that. Yeah. What a feeling. Good for you. Holy yeah. mackerel. So we need to, no. okay, here's your million dollar idea. We need little sensors on our shoulders that when they start lifting yeah. up to our ears with tension, <laughs> it, an alarm goes off. Say no, say no, right? Oh. I, I do feel that sometimes, like someone describes how you're feeling, like, you know, when you have that reaction, you feel it. I said, I feel like one of those transformers, which go, you know, I literally feel that. I'm like, oh my God, you know, you're like, what's happening? Why is my throat hurting? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've held my breath for the last yeah. 30 seconds. And yeah. I'm like, oh, wait. What's that on my earlobe? Oh, it's my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, there's one thing I just wanted to mention when we talk about looking after ourselves and helping with balance. Again, we've seen a lot of these over the past 16 months during, you know, the adjustments as through our ongoing pandemic. But there's some great sort of exercise videos out on YouTube and stuff like mm. yoga with Adrienne I mean oh yeah I, I think I think she's my friend I really do <laughs> yeah. I mean she's, yeah I'm like and her dog she doesn't she doesn't <laughs> know it her and her dog Benji yes Benji, right? Benji. Yep. You know, and I, but stuff like that you know this Texan doing yoga brings me such calm and such joy there's like the body coach in the UK who's Joe Wicks who's like this phenomenon on you know talking about exercise positivity and there's he does you know short workouts that you can follow there's so much to to find out there you know to like if we're going to be on social media we're going to be doing it let's harness it for our own health as well right oh yeah Yeah. it's easy you know um you were talking about journaling earlier and I um found this journal this year that I fill out the night before and it's my morning journal and basically it's a it's almost a to-do list but it ensures I 
I do it. And so I did this for a good 60 days in a row. Um, and it was like, get up, drink my coffee, um, journal. And then, um, and then it was workout. And mm. for me, that's what I, I decided on doing. Um, and then, it, you know, a few other things like work tasks and it, my own mental health, my own well-being, was, it was so good and strong during mm. those times. And then it was interesting because um, something happened. I don't know if we went on a trip or, or something that disrupted it all. And I haven't done it since. And I haven't uh. quite found that peace since I stop doing it. So it's really yeah. interesting to just kind of follow your path and see, mm, where did I go wrong? <laughs> yeah. you know? Sometimes I think no we journey. do these. I sometimes think we do these things when we're feeling under pressure, mm -hmm. right? Creates a structure, creates a bit of safety, helps us plan our days, reduces some of the stress around sleeping. But when the times are good, sometimes we forget to be mindful, we forget to journal, we forget to plan. Uh, and right. then it's sort of, you know, these these things are for the good times as well as the not so good times. Yeah, that's, right. that's you know, so it's, it's like the habit forming technique. Yeah, yeah. And I feel, I feel that. Bank. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's funny. Habit forming, though, I'm unconvinced because on New Year's, we set a family goal of working out 365 days in a row. We have a star chart on our fridge. Okay. That being said, on days where we didn't feel well, stretching and like easy okay. stuff or a walk around the lake or something was fine. Um, but I, so we did like 74, maybe even up into the 90 days. And then one of us got sick or something popped up and we got derailed. And I was like, I felt like robbed for a minute. We're going back this summer and we're going to get back to it. But there was this part of me that was like, didn't I change my brain already? Like, yeah. You know, and, and it, you know, 30 days, right. To form a new habit. Why isn't right. it sticking? But I think, I think it's a good reminder, right. That it does have to be a commitment if, we make a lifelong, you know, like you, if, if you just think 30 days is going to train your brain and then you're good, yeah. right? Well, you've missed the buck. And then give yourself permission <laughs> to screw up and then come yeah. back. And then get back on it, right? Yeah. No the, shame. The, I'm there I ask, if you were working with a kid who was setting a target, a smart target, <laughs> would it would it be 365 la, la, la. days in a row? <laughs> Aaron, Aaron will work out. <laughs> on a hundred percent nothing that I do with my students applies to myself <laughs> nothing with no nothing. mistakes and no screw-ups <laughs> as exactly. sometimes say that story new of year's Aaron's life <laughs> they do sometimes say that new year's resolutions often don't work oh, out and I'm curious as to why <laughs> the bar way too high do you want to know though this is yeah no this is, that says more about me is and the, the way the, yeah. oh gosh That's once again funny. it's a therapy session for Aaron. um no but Just you know the apps that I'm, <laughs> yeah there's my my irish roman catholic grandmother in my head right God. <laughs> if you're not working until midnight you're not working um no i, I love my grandmother <laughs> she's she's 
Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've been using an app, Mitra. I don't even know if that's how you say it, but it's M-I-T-R-A. And just thinking about tracking that, you, you can track your emotions and you can track your values and you sort of rate your day at the end of the day, just to sort of tap in with yourself. And one of the ones that I put on for myself, for my own balance, that I realized what throws me out of whack is that sense of shame. And I know like Brene Brown has talked about that and different people have talked about shame, Mm -hmm. Um, but that is a part of it, right? That when we're imbalanced, we can kick into a place where then that negative, you know, kind of self-talk and that, and and that shame occurs, right. And moving past that. Oh, we couldn't go another podcast without bringing up Brene, could we? (laughs) <laughs> she, no, I was I about to say, I was about to build on that. It's like you've been honest about not meeting your target. You know, we've, <laughs> yeah. we've explored that might be a bit too much. But she also says, and I, <laughs> I, I'm going to paraphrase terribly here, but something that shame cannot thrive when it is talked about because shame is when you don't talk about mm. things. So by verbalizing yeah. and talking about it, shame can't live in an open environment. Yeah. Well done, Aaron. But you're fine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right, good. I feel a lot better. I can't take the star chart down though until I complete it. So this summer yeah. I am gonna yeah. go. <laughs> you go, girl. Oh, there you go. There's my obsessive compulsive coming in. <laughs> well, guys, I think we're gonna have to wrap up because you know our <sighs> Zoom cuts off after a while. But um we're talking a lot about balance, and I think it's important to note that Matt. You've, you are um, you decided <laughs> to not take the a sound stand and be, and be balanced. So <laughs> why don't you let us all know what, what, what that means for us? Well, you were talking about the power of saying no a little <laughs> while ago. And, and, and it's funny because I think we, we get in the habit of saying yes so much the time. And I just decided, I felt like it was time for me to step down from the podcast. I, I felt, you know, it's, it's been a really good run. And like Elizabeth Gilbert, I feel like I need to look after myself a- even more than I am at the moment. And mm. so I'm just trying to reduce some of the additional stuff that I do. And then I was doing the sums the other day and I, and, I was, and I was talking about, for example, like I've been doing like doing advocacy work for the last eight years and every time I feel like oh you know I'm a new school everything's fine like like I joke about going into Yokohama and then suddenly it's like oh we're doing the hosting the Celia conference <laughs> and, <you know? laughs> and then and then getting to Bangkok it's like oh I, you know you very graciously asked me to help out with the webinar and then we're then we're doing a round table and I've I've ended up doing lots of things that I've really enjoyed and found exciting and fulfilling but I think also there comes a time at the moment where I'm just feeling like I just need just a bit more headspace a bit more time yeah. where even you know and and I really enjoy our conversations I genuinely do but but you know sometimes it's like well this is something else we have to do and then figuring out the time zones and the keeping yeah, up yeah. and I think and yeah. I think you've got so many amazing people out there Laurie and Aaron <laughs> that you could talk to yeah. all these contacts and I'm like gosh I think yeah, there's more, well, much more interesting people than me out there as well. It's time to not oh, true. Yes. Not true. <laughs> not true. <laughs> Don't but, even start that. But you know, I mean, yeah. first of all, thank you. Um, yeah. we have you're just so much fun and and I always learn so much from you. But second, thank you for taking time to yourself and knowing your boundaries. I think it's just so mm-hmm. important and you've done it and we value you. And I know Aaron and I will continue this podcast um, with some very special guests, but it won't be the same for sure. 
I mean, how uh, are we going to uh, talk about round tables anymore? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I said, what are we going to do without Matt to keep us from getting too serious? Right. Yeah. Your sense of humor <laughs> and the joy you bring to it, Matt. It's been an, it's been a pleasure an absolute pleasure to, to talk with you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed the laughs as well. And I've enjoyed the challenge of the upskilling and the reminders of all the things that we can all do to support some yeah. of the most, you know, challenged and people in our lives. I, I think it's, it's been fantastic. So thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. All right, you guys. need to give a standing ovation. <laughs> I'm going to stand <laughs> up in my pajamas in my living room. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Uh, all right. Okay. Until our next one, Erin. Sounds good, Lori. I'll see you when we get back from the summer. All right. Best of luck, Matt. We'll miss you. Miss mm -hmm. you too. Thank you.